Both Brown and Carter led the club with eight power play goals. Stop it! Welcome to episode two of the Million Dollar Pylon Podcast. I'm SJ. I'm here with Tarney. Hey. And we're here to talk about all these musings in hockey. Again, we got to represent the most undermarket sport in North America. So we got to show out a little bit here. I uh, think it's growing. It's, it's going to catch a, a bit of steam and uh, people are going to start tuning into this, this cool new sport called hockey. It's going to eventually catch MLS. Is that where we're, is that yeah, where we're heading? Eventually. <laughs> all right. So today we decide to talk about a topic we're going to hold off. On, from last week. So today we're going to talk about free agency. Um, obviously the first major fish to fall was John Tavares to the Leafs. And since Tar- Tarney's a right, right, resident Leafs fan, I'm just going to let him go for a bit and I'll enter when necessary, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. As a Leafs fan, we, we would joke and we would hope about Tavares, but we never really thought it would actually happen until about maybe the week before is when things started really getting serious. Because it was the same thing with Stamkos as well uh, the last time around. There were, there were reports about it. It was like, oh, maybe it could happen. Maybe, maybe who knows. But then when it finally did happen, it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit unbelievable as a Leafs fan because you have to understand, the Leafs have been really bad for like a decade before this current generation of young players came up. They've been really bad for a decade. So the Leafs fans are used to disappointment. So I don't think anyone even dared to dream that you'd end up getting a free agent like John Tavares. Well, plus, I mean, think about how many times so-and-so marquee free agent, like Steven Samkos was a good example, right? Every time it's like, oh, this guy's born in Toronto, or he's born in the GTA. He definitely wants to come back to Toronto. And, like, all the time it's never happened. I mean, who's the last free agent signing everyone loved? David Clarkson? Yeah, <laughs> and how that like you know how that worked out, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I think, the, and this is something I think Babcock actually said in an interview. The idea was, if you build an environment in which players would actually be attracted to, they want to actually come and they have a chance to win, then those players would actually come back. If you're if you got an environment like we had before, where you know there's just so much pressure and there's nothing seeming, there's no plan, doesn't seem to be anything happening. Then even if these players have an affinity for the Toronto area or they want to play for Toronto, they're not going to risk their careers to do that, right? So you have to first. You know, it's a sort of like field dreams type of situation where if you build it, they will come. And I think that's basically exactly how uh, how Babcock put it. And that's basically what happened with Tavares. And for Tavares. Yeah, you have to. You have to think. I don't, I don't know if it. You have to kind of decide whether you're taking him at his word or not. But for him, it came down to between the Islanders and Toronto because, like, he's Toronto. That's where he was from, and he decided that's what he wanted to do. And but I don't think it's it's you should be discounted that he's moving to a team who has with him now a really good chance of winning the cup. That's the important part. The fact that it's Toronto is probably just a sweetener for him. Yeah. But the important part is that he's actually going to a winning team. So if you build a winning team, then yeah, these players will come. Same with, same with Patrick Marlowe, right? I mean, the, yeah. the, he's a 38-year-old guy 
who spent his entire career pretty much in San Jose. He was on a winning team. Let's, let's, yeah, let's he was already on a winning team. But like, <laughs> the idea is that why would he, why would he risk, risk that, that level of comfort to come to Toronto if he didn't want to? If he didn't have, believe that this team was going to go somewhere or he had a chance to do something with this team, he wouldn't come. Yeah, that was my main thing. That's always been my main issue with hockey players generally is they always stay loyal to these organizations that all, like, I don't say always or incommonly run, but like, Certain teams are just terribly run, and guys will sign these extensions. And I get guaranteed money as a thing, but at a certain point when you have agency, I'd love to see a guy, like, I, for example, you know, sorry to all the Oilers fans, but I would have loved to see Conor McGregor maybe play out his deal a bit, see what the Oilers were going to do, and then sign that long-term extension. And then maybe if they weren't winning and they weren't building around him properly, maybe he could have a little bit more agency. So I really appreciate what John Tavares did in that sense. He, 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 I think he gave out the best, I think he gave everything he could to the Islanders organization, and I think he's earned the right to be able to decide where he wants to go now. I think, I think he's, he's given everything he can to that organization. So what was your reaction when it happened, and what are your thoughts on the Leafs? Like? Okay, well, my reaction was just overjoyed, obviously, just absolute screaming, disbelief. Um, it's, it's, I'm still not understanding how teams are going to be able to deal with it's no longer a one-two punch. It's a one-two-three punch. Three top lines that they have now. Having Matthews, having Tavares, and Kadri as your top three centers is absurd. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the wingers that you have available to you, too. You got Nylander, you got Marner, you got Marlowe, Kapanen. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous the amount of talent that they have up front. So you will not end up in a situation, again, where, where if someone shuts down uh, Matthews, then you're going to have difficulty... Trying to trying to generate offense, not a problem anymore. I think also what it does is it kind of puts and people you know probably view Nazem Kadri a lot higher than I do, but I think his ideal role is that third line two way center role and being able to kind of push him down because if that now that third line center is better than any third line center you could on most teams, right? Well, before it was Tyler Bozak, right? Before we had it was it was Bozak, but basically you just replaced Upgraded Bozak, Bozak with John Tavares, right? It's, it's, it's it's ridiculous. It's absurd, and um and then and then you've got James Van Riemdijk who's now on uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, yeah. back to the Flyers, uh, and people were worried about how you're going to replace his scoring. Well, I mean, you got John Tavares now. You don't have to worry about. Well, that. I think so. What I liked about this deal was two things. One, it shows a team that understands the cap because I've always said this, and you see this a lot in the NFL and uh, basketball where. When you have guys on entry-level contracts and you don't have to pay them right away, and you don't have to do what Peter Torelli did, which was you know basically take away these ESL, EC, ELC years, give a guys give guys a fuck ton of money, essentially cap yourself out when these guys are on a discount, right? Yeah. And when you have Matthews, Marner, Kapanen, Nylander, who aren't making a ton of money, I think this is the like I would rather pay John Tavares of eleven million than pay like. Two B level guys, five five million each. Yeah, and this is the only time you're going to be able to make that move. I'm a firm believer in, hey, we got the elite talent. We'll figure the rest out later. Yeah, well, I, well, I think the other thing is apparently that um, Tavares left money on the table potentially from San Jose because apparently San Jose's offer was something closer to to thirteen million a year uh, or twelve point five or something like that, and, and over the over the length of the contract, that's a significant amount of money. So he apparently he left money on the table just to be able to come to Toronto and try to join this franchise instead, which is a, a pretty huge thing. It's not something that Toronto fans are used to, to seeing, a person who wants to come to your team. Yeah. Um, 
No, for sure. And I think the other thing too is I kind of appreciate and so NFL teams do I, I love like when cap systems, I love the economics that come together. I love the different ways you see teams kind of copying ideologies from other leagues. So sometimes in the NFL the idea is make your strength the strength. If you have a weakness, sometimes it's better to just double down on what you have, right? And I think what the Leafs did here that was brilliant to an extent was, hey, we already have two really good centers. Our skill is in our offense and our goalie playing out of his ass to bail us out. Let's double down. Because realistically, the only two ways you can get a franchise defenseman are you're going to have to trade a ton. Yeah. Or you're going to have to draft a guy and sit on him. Hopefully in six years he becomes that guy. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's really rare you'll get a guy like Dahlin who might become really good right away. A lot of times it's, you know, something closer to maybe like John Klingberg or like John Carlson where they take four to five years to hit a level that's even top four pairing, right? And even though there's still some growing pains for them to really blossom into what they can become. So instead of that, instead of trying to do something like that, hey, let's just get, let's just make our strength even stronger. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's, it's... It's basically Frederick Anderson is going to be on his own back there unless they do, I don't know what they could possibly do to try to make a move for, for a, a full-on defense, a proper defenseman. But I mean, it's, it's it, I don't think they're as terrible back there as people say. So, I mean, if you look at the top six, it's probably Riley, Zaitsev, Gardner, um, Hainsey, Polak, oh, uh, uh, and Polak. Carrick. I don't know, man. Anytime you throw Robert Polak into a defense court, he's not like the seventh one. I'm always very iffy on that. Yeah, well, then you got people like Boardman like, and uh, Lil Green, who you people are hoping will be able to step up and maybe take one of those spots. Robert Polak's the definition of why this podcast is named the Million Dollar Pile Podcast. Hey, he brings grit and oh. and pugnacity and testosterone and belligerence. Oh. Um, yeah, I yeah. felt like the Canucks thought the same with Eric Goodbranson. That just did not work. That has not worked out. Yeah. I mean, listen, at least fans are pretty used to, to seeing uh, Rowan Polak out there and, and being disappointed by, by it. But, uh, yeah, I think that's basically what it did, what they're trying to do now. They're saying, you know what, we'll just we'll just outscore you 5-4 or whatever it's going to be every game. And that'll, that'll be the plan. But, I mean, it, it's it's pretty, pretty crazy. So my question is, so I looked at their cap situation. So you have Nylander, who's an RFA after 2018-19. And then Matthews, Marner, and Kapanen are all RFAs after the 2019-20 season. And for the uh, so let's say the core right now, the guys that you're for sure not trying to get rid of. I'm assuming are Morgan Riley, who's around five mil, Kadri, who's at four point five, Tavares, who's at eleven, and Anderson, who's just a shade under five. Yeah. Now, assuming Matthews makes close to eleven, probably more than eleven, because I think he's probably going to be paid a bit more than Tavares. Uh, probably. Like maybe 11.5? Something close. I mean, I guess we'll see what happens with that, but probably something like that. So all of a sudden you'll have two guys making close to 11, or 11 at least. Yeah. You'll have Kadri at 4.5, Riley at around 4.5 to 5, and Anderson. Like, at a certain point, you're not going to be able to pay all these guys, which, I mean, Kapanen I'd keep because you're probably not going to have to pay him a ton. Yeah. But, like, the Marner and Nylander one is interesting because... I don't know how you keep both those guys at the rates they're probably going to command mm-hmm. without trying to move, you know, without basically just saying, hey, we hope our defense just develops from within. Well, that's what you're going to have to do. Marlowe's going to have to be gone, and you're probably going to have to move one of uh, Riley or Gardner, probably Gardner, those two, and then hope one of your other defensemen develops. Uh, that's that's the way it's, you could probably see it working out. If you had to choose between Nylander or Marner, which one would you keep and why? 
Ooh, I don't know. Um, Nylander usually plays with Matthews, uh, and so they've got that sort of chemistry. I remember even the first game. Remember when uh, when Marner or when uh, Matthews scored those four goals against Ottawa? Yep. I think like two of them were assisted by Nylander. So even from the beginning, he's always had that. But then Marner. Uh, I think is one of the one of the main reasons that uh, Tavares apparently wanted to come to Toronto was to be able to play with Marner, uh, and that's apparently what they, they pitched to, to Tavares that yeah, this is the lines are probably look like we'll probably have you with Mitch Marner. We know Bob Babcock always likes to get the blender, but it seems though that's the idea. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I had to pick one right now, I'd probably say probably I would say Marner really because, because he's more of uh, a playmaker. In my opinion, and I think you can scoring wingers are a lot easier to find than playmaking wingers are. In my opinion, so I think I think he's he's probably the one to keep. I, I totally I would totally go with Nylander because I think Marner's versatility, being able to play both center and the wing, help especially in times where maybe guys might get injured. I think his vision is just his passing vision is just insane. Yeah, so Mar- you're keeping Marner. Or yeah, I'm yeah. keeping Marner. That's right. Oh, yeah, okay. keeping Marner. Keeping Marner. I got that. Letting Nylander go. Um, because right now, the way I look at it is, this seems very, I don't want to say Pittsburgh-esque, yeah. but like the way this team's looking is... Well, yeah, you, the parallel's yeah. right there. you got your Crosby and your, your Malkin, and you got your Matthews and your Tavares. It's yeah. right there. Um, and I guess Jordan Stahl would be the cadre role to an extent, yeah, right? So, right now, the way I look at it is the course, Tavares, Matthews, Kadri, Riley, and Anderson, as of right now. And to me, everyone else on that team can either be moved... Or like is disposable either for a franchise defenseman to make Riley a two, yeah. Or you're just not gonna be able to pay all these guys. Right? Well, you can't move Cadre's Cadre's cap hit is amazing for what he is. Yeah, for it's, sure. So he's excellent value. So I wouldn't want to move like Kadri. to put this in perspective. The Stars were playing paying Cody Eakin like around the same to do nothing. For exactly. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> so and especially on that third line now, Cadre having that dedicated third line role. I mean, he he was given with with Marlowe, He was kind of given that shutdown sort of pit role in the in the playoffs as well, and they're okay at that. But I mean, he's 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 his value is in the fact that he can also score. That's that's where his value comes in. He's probably gonna end up playing with Kapanen, presuming they break up that Marlowe line and put him up maybe top line and get with Matthews and Nylander possibly. So he'll probably end up playing with with Kasperi Kapanen and maybe um, Andreas Janssen or someone on the other wing. So that the role will probably be more of a shutdown line that has a scoring potential as well. And so relative to the rest of their division, because, I mean, thanks to Gary Bettman, that's what we got to look at. we just got to look at the divisions, right? Um, how, many, okay, how many games is it now per, between divisions? It's, it's ridiculous. It's like basically nothing else matters now pretty much. I felt so bad for the Leafs when they had to play the Bruins in the first round just because that was purely a divisional. If it was conference, it wouldn't have shaken The other thing was that the Leafs fans kind of wanted the, the Bruins too. <laughs> oh, like, revenge. We're gonna after get them the first back. two games. Yeah, we're going to get yeah. them back. Uh, hey, how, I, how do you think adding Tavares... Um, relative to the so say relative to Tampa, Boston, and the rest of them, how do you think that plays out? Like Ottawa, and Montreal are just dumpster fires. Like forget them. I mean, they need to be recycled at I mean, this point. <laughs> but the uh, the the other two, what do you think? Well, I would look at it this way. Last season, the Leafs broke a franchise record for most points mm-hmm. and, and most wins or something in a, in a season. That was without John Tavares, mm-hmm. and the only significant piece that they've lost are Bozak and JVR. Mm-hmm. So assuming that you get internal growth from the, the rookies, you don't get like massive sophomore slumps all round, yeah. assuming that everything else levels off, presumably you should be at, about at that level right. again. So you could you could easily see them winning winning the division. Easily. 
I think so with them in Boston with me, granted Tavares is a huge thing to hang your hat on. I think they're better than Boston just because I don't think Boston's younger talent as much as I love Pasternak and I think DeBrusque is really good. Yeah. I just don't think the higher end talent is as high as Toronto's. Granted, I think they have a little bit more depth, right? Especially on the defensive end. I think like I think their defense is better, but I do think they're better than Boston. I just don't see them being better than Tampa right now, just because Tampa's defense is really good. Yeah, Tampa probably has the best defense. And also Tampa in the has conference, I think. And also Tampa has like the trump card to make a move if they need to. That I'm not sure. Like the Leafs kind of do, but I don't know if they have the level of assets that Tampa. Well, does, I mean, right? Chara is already sort of on the decline, in my opinion. He's already kind of on the decline, Chara. So. Other than him, you got him and McAvoy as the top pairing, right? And you got Krug, and who plays with Krug? Brandon Carlo. So, well, I was thinking more with Tampa, just the ability to maybe add Carlson, which we'll talk about later, but also having Hedman, Strawman, Sergachev. Do they need Carlson? Well, well, we can talk <laughs> about that, but like, and I also think that offense is really good too, because Kucherov just blot like Kucherov just blossomed to something we yeah. didn't see coming. Yeah. Um, but just having Kucherov, Stamkos, and like they could have Tyler Johnson have an ineffectual, injury-prone season and still put up points, which is scary. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely think they'll be ahead of Boston. I'm just Tampa's the one I'm really afraid because I just think Tampa's defense is better. Yeah, Hedman, uh, McDonough, Girardi, Sergachev, basically Strawman. Yeah, they basically pilfered like three fifths of the Rangers and just added them to their team. Yeah, I, I don't. I, like, yeah, so it, they've definitely, I think, got the best defense in the conference for sure. Yeah, and then yeah, I think they've got better scoring than than Boston as well. So basically, and this is what I said last year too, pretty much. I was like, I don't want to face Tampa because Tampa is just basically a better Toronto. Yeah, they've got just as good scoring probably, and better defense. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I really don't want to face. Tampa, that's the team I'd want to avoid. I mean, I think they're, I don't know, I don't, I'm still not sold on Vasilevsky, to be honest with you. I'm not either, but I think he, I think when you compare him and Anderson, I'm not going to say it's a wash, because I think Anderson, like, can bail you out of a game where I'm not sure Vasilevsky can quite yeah. yet. But it's, I, it's I, just a question I, of, you know, is he serviceable enough? I definitely think team. they're both comparable. I think, yeah, I think, yeah. I think he's serviceable enough for that team that he, he won't be a liability, and that's all they need, right? Exactly, right. They don't exactly. need, the, they don't need anyone to steal them games. They just need a goal that's good enough. All right, we don't want to fully turn this into Maple Leafs talk, so we'll move on to other teams. I mean, we saved that for Sportsnet and TSN. So, um, I guess the other thing to say is other moves in free agency you liked, or any other moves you thought that were good. I guess. Um, moves that I like, Stasny. Stasny. Really, you you like that one? I, I did. I I like that move. I mean, it, it was a lot of money, um, but I still I still think six point five is his average hit. All right, six point five. Yeah. It's not that bad for a player of Paul Stasny's caliber. I think my problem with that deal is though you have so many guys in Vegas who are going to be UFAs or RFAs within the next two years. I think that's the situation. That's the thing though. I think they're they're going for it now, right? I mean, this, this is a team that went made it to the finals. Why would you not try to continue going? For sure, but I would want to keep a little bit of that like cost certainty that I don't think Statsny gives you that much more. Mm-hmm. I would rather keep some of that cost certainty to sign, especially because I know Flurry is going to be a UFA in I think a year or two. But you I, have, I, they're going to trade Flurry. I'm almost uh, okay, 100% for sure. sure. But say you have, a, but you even have other guys like Tuck. Um, I believe Carlson hasn't gotten his contract yet. You have other guys that. Are still need to be paid, and I just don't think paying six mil for a center is prudent. 
especially for a center that's like I don't think he's ever shown that ability to be a real true number one center, which is what six like when you're paying someone six point five, what that tells me is he's a like maybe he's not a true one center, but he's like near it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's right under that tier of being an elite player. I've never seen that or I haven't seen that from Paul Stassi in a while. I mean, I think because I don't know if he's had the opportunity when he's playing with with uh, with the Blues to, to actually show that. I think this will be a good opportunity for him to actually show what he is really made and how good he actually is. Because I mean, they're another team that probably has like a one-two punch going on with Carlson and Stasny. I think they're mm-hmm. and they'll probably have uh, Marshall on the wing. So the top line probably be Marshall, Carlson, and Smith. I'm guessing, and then they'll probably do Halla, Stasny, and Tatar, and then they, they'll probably drop top to the third line. That's what I'm guessing. That's what their top six probably looks like to me. And I think that's a very, very solid top six. And I feel like it makes sense for them to, to just kind of go all out and go for it. Because, I mean, their defense is, again, another solid defensive group. They don't have, like, a star defenseman. But, I mean, they got McNabb, Shit, Theodore, yeah. Engeland, uh, Schmidt, uh, Nick Holden. Like, this is a, it's a solid group of people. And Colin Miller. Yeah, it's not a superstar-laden defensive core, but it's a good enough core. Where and if you add that top end scoring, I think I think I it's a good chance. I just would never define Paul Stasny as a top end scorer. I just I don't I've never seen it. I, I mean, he's not a point per game player. He's not, he's not even close. close. He's not even. Close. I think he, he yeah he's he's he hasn't gotten that to that level. But I mean, he's he he's still a very very good player. I mean, he's 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 definitely at least a twenty goal scorer. Do you not think? Like, yeah, he's no, he's, for he's sure. Like, he's I like just, a 20, 30, you know, type of guy. Like, 20 I guess, goals, 30 assists. I guess that's, issue, you can expect that from Paul Stasny, at least, right? I think that's good enough for what they what they want from him. I guess, I guess my, I think my issue is just, sit, like, anything over five for a guy who's definitely in his, like, he's definitely in the later years of his career, and, again, he's yeah, not... Yeah, he's like 32. Right? Yeah, like and that. you're not... And, again, you're doing it at a time where you know most of those contracts you took on from that expansion draft were UFA, RFA deals that you're going to have to pay. Yeah. And also, you also have guys knocking from your minor league system that are probably going to, like, maybe not want to come up in the next next year, but maybe two years down the road, and you're going to have Statsny there. So those are just... I would have liked a little bit more... Little, if you're going to give him six months, I would prefer less term. I would have liked a little bit more flexibility there. But I get maybe if you... I guess maybe the alternative is if you have so many UFAs, having a little bit of cost certainty maybe goes a long way. Yeah, I mean it's not okay. a massive deal. I think it's only it's three years, so it's not like it's they've, like you know they've given up everything for him. I think six point five or three years is, is all right, and mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he'll be thirty five at the end of that, so he probably won't be that useful. But I mean, I think I think the idea is they're trying to go for it right now, right. which I think makes sense. Okay, my my first one on that end too. Um, so Connor Hellebuck. Uh, 6.176 million per year from the Jets. Granted, RFA, so this is an exception. But this goes into one of my themes um, I've always been a big believer on. is n- One, oh, you pay for a guy's prime years. Halibut's only 25, mm-hmm. and he just recently basically finished in the top three of Vesna voting. That's something I'm willing to bank on, because I've seen teams like the Stars do this, where here's the, like, Klingberg had one good year, for example, sign him to this deal, and if he plays the way you think he's going to play, he outperforms that contract substantially. Like, look what Klingberg's making relative to his production. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Right? I think if you pay him at 6.176, and maybe you you buy up... Sure, he doesn't have to, like... He doesn't have to show you that maybe that consistency, but you pay that, 
at 25, and if he produces anything close to what he even did just this past year, that's a bargain deal. Yeah. And it goes to my second thing is, which is not overpaying for goalies in this market, in a cap market where we've seen teams, Martin Jones, Sergei Bobrovsky, Cam Talbot, Antti Ranta, guys, Philip Grubauer this past offseason, where guys don't have, you basically don't have to give up much to get goalies right now. And you also, I don't think you should do what Montreal did and pay a guy like Carey Price 10 mil when the relative replacement value of a goalie you can find pretty easily, mm-hmm. right? So 6.176 mil for a guy that's 25, top three in Vesna voting. In, again, in his prime with a team that he's kind of been developed under, so they, the scouting staff knows him really well. I think that's a steal of a deal, especially if he performs anything close to what he did this year for the rest of it. It depends. I mean, I feel like it's it's a bit of a risk, but I mean, I think it's probably a calculated risk in that it's he's their guy that they developed, so they probably know you know what level of risk they're taking with him. But okay, so do you think Hellebuck is better than Holtby? Or do you think he's as good as Holtby? How old's Holtby right now? I don't know how old he's twenty. He's not that old actually. I think I looked this up before as well. I think he's maybe 30. 28. Yeah, so he's not that old. So, if I... Last year, I think Hellebuck was better. And he was better. Yeah. Um, I mean, he doesn't have the consistency for me to know for sure. But basically, that's... They're both being paid about equal. Both their average annual average cap rate is 6.1 million, pretty much. But, so. but I think the other thing I have to go with, too, is Hellebuck's been a touted... It's not just some guy that came out of nowhere. He's mm-hmm. been touted for a while, which... To me personally matters because that tells me that at least the pedigree was there. I might not be as much paying for a one-year fluke. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, like the Jets' defense isn't an easy defense to play behind, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he put up a nine twenty-four save percentage, at two thirty-six goals against on that team. Yeah, right. That and especially in a con in the Central Conference, which is full of killers. Yeah, which gives me a lo- at least a bit more to go on with him. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, he's their guy, so I'm sure they they probably are confident with him. It's just that basically he's getting paid as a as a top tier goalie, pretty much. It's, so he's he, if you look at the top, 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 top goalies, Carey Price is getting way paid out of the way, way out of the he's he's ever, he's an outlier, ten point five million yeah. per year. Then you have Lundqvist at eight point five million. Then Bobrovsky seven point four. Then Rinne and Rask are both at seven. Then it's Hellebuck at six point one with Holby. But I I think. So, he, I don't so he has to be. You have to be confident that he's that good to be mentioned in the same place right. as those But I also guys. don't think six point one for a guy that's twenty five is that bad. Like it's not. It's not a detrimental contract to me. Mm-hmm. So but he is getting paid starter money. Like he has for to sure. Be, he has to be. Like, sure. He's the guy now. He's the, he's their guy. So we'll we'll see how that works out for them. Um, I think it seems as though they're pretty confident with with how he is, and he's developed. He's gone through their system. He's. He's been, you know, like you said, a 920 uh, goalie behind that defense. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. If it continues as the way he is, definitely worth it. Um, but I think it is a bit of a risk, but it's a calculated risk. I just appreciate I'm a big fan of, like, a lot of times the word process over outcome, which I know a lot of us are, right? Mm-hmm. Where, and I like the Jets' process, and it is taking a, again, taking a calculated risk, locking up a guy through his prime year so that you're not paying for something on the back end, you're paying for something. This is, like, what he's going to be from 25 to 31, you're getting his prime. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is you're not over... I, I still think he's still injuring prime, because you yeah. have to keep in mind, the goalies do develop a little bit later on. I don't right. think goalies quite hit their prime until, you know, this whole big age, like 28, 25. But, but he's definitely going to be entering this prime. Yeah. This is it. This is now, they, they bet the money on him, and they're saying, 
all right, we've picked you. You're the guy. We're giving you six million a year. And Let's it just go. and it just again goes back to the thing where you're not. I don't feel like you're overpaying. You're not detrimentally doing what Mark Vergevin did and put yeah. a ton of money into one. Position. I don't think I don't think they're overpaying him at all. It's just it's just that is he as good as what as what the contract says? I guess it remains to be seen. If you know the past, the, the thing is past performance is an indication of, of, of future performance as well. So we'll see what happens. Um, the other deal I liked was Calvin DeHaan to the Hurricanes. I just think it fits when you consider they traded for Hamilton. Granted, it did make a. I, I know I made the joke that like I feel like they were just all losers in that Habs. I'm uh, sorry, in the Flames Hurricanes deal. But yeah, getting Hamilton, having Falk, having a guy like DeHaan to either pair with one of those two. Yeah, and suddenly it's that's good. that's looking like a decent defense now. They still so. need a lot of offensive help. Like that, their offense. I don't know if. Like, for them, I feel like every game is going to be Wayne Gretzky 3D hockey where the goalie's a brick wall. Like, that team is going to struggle to score. Yeah. But having a defensive guy like DeHaan to maybe cover up on the back end for guys like Falk and for either, for Hamilton, I one or the other, whoever he's going to pair with, I think for what you're paying him for his age, I think it's a great I think it's a great value. Yeah, yeah. It's good. probably going to be Hamilton and, and DeHaan is where I'm probably guessing, and Falk and Slavin probably play together. And the one thing we've learned from watching Hamilton is he needs that type of guy with him. Yeah. And I think... And DeHaan's also, like, people look at his point totals, and you're like, yeah, he's he's not a great... He's obviously, he's not a great offensive defensive, but he's definitely capable... Of, like, he's not Carl Alsner. He's not a... Like, he's not just a... He's not a what I would say is he's not a liability. Yeah, exactly. He's definitely not a liability. He's not a black hole. He's he's not going to suck up all your your, your transition play. It's, he's not that bad. In fact, I, actually, I think a lot of Leafs fans were probably wouldn't have minded him getting Calvin Dahan as well. On yeah. So, so I think that was it's a good it's a good move. I think I just I yeah I, I kind of fear for them though. Like even with a decent defense, do either of Scott Darling or Peter Mrazek seem like a proper starting goalie to you? I don't no. know. <laughs> I don't know, man. So I could easily still see that team towards the. Basically. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, any other any other ones that you thought were good FA moves? Um, well, I, I think we should talk about uh, the Ilya Kovalchuk situation. That one's tough for me only because I know the talent's there, but I haven't seen him play in a while. $6.25 million is a lot of money too, right? Question, would you rather pay Paul Stads the 6.15 yeah. or you yeah. play Kovalchuk no, no, 6.25? I, I, I pay, I pay you would? Stads. Okay. I mean, that's that's 6.25 you have no idea about. You don't <laughs> have no clue whether you're getting any return on that whatsoever. I mean, Stadsny, you could at least, like I said, he'll he's a solid center. At the very least, he'll get 20 goals, 30 assists, something around that mark. Yeah. You know you'll get that. Kovalchuk, who the heck knows, man? He could come with 30 goals. He could just be nothing. You know what would be amazing if he came back? Like, Remember how Yager was out of shape when he was playing for a while? It would be amazing if Kovalchuk came back like that. I have no idea. <laughs> I honestly have no idea. What? But, I mean, hey, why not, I guess? 35 years old, 6.25 million, good for him, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that one's, that one's a... You thought, so you thought that was a good move? No, I don't know. I, 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 I wouldn't have done it. I don't know. I probably would not have done it. Uh, I, don't, I don't, don't know if it's a good move. I think it's a risk. Huge, huge risk. I think the only reason I'll say it was a good FA move, and you're going to notice this theme soon, is outside of Tavares, I feel like Tavares was the fish, and there were, sorry, the big shark, that was the catch, and there were a lot of minnows in this free agency. Like, there weren't a lot of... I think the talent level drops off massively after Tavares. But I think that's the same token. I don't think, okay, well, Stamkos didn't really make it to free agency, if you think about it. So other than Tavares, who is the biggest free agent that's ever moved in NHL post you know post lockout era? 
That's a good point. I mean, anyone has. I'm just, like, off the top of my head, I can't. Really I, know, I think he's the now. biggest one. And usually free agency isn't that big. Usually where, where people are, you know, that's that's the thing, though. That's why you end up paying ridiculous amounts of money for players like David Clarkson, <laughs> who are who just are not that good, but because there's no other players in the free agency market. Mm. Hockey players don't, NHL players don't hit free agency. It doesn't happen. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, my my thing with Kovalchuk is, I think, Los Angeles is already an old team. Yeah. And, to me, maybe you don't pay six, but you uh, with the team that old and like you're not going to be a team that's going to be towards the bottoms to where you're getting high draft picks. You might as well take a chance. I mean, you're going to have to rebuild after all these guys anyway. Might as well just and if he can give you twenty five goals a year, it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, I, we'll see how how he, I think Kopitar probably will like playing with him. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Kopitar Kovalchuk could be a pretty good, pretty Speaking good line. Speaking of the Kings, one thing I thought that was interesting that I did want to bring up during the Leafs thing is, given how capped out they might be, do you think they take a chance on Boynov? Because I would. If I I know the situation's tough, mm-hmm. but if I were the Leafs, I would definitely call in and see if I could get him get the rights to him and maybe sign him for something relatively cheap. Because with all these contracts coming up, that's a high-risk, high-reward move I would do. Possibly. Um, Granted, I know Toronto's a little bit more progressive than Mo. Like, yeah. like, I mean, if he was in Dallas, maybe no one would care as much. But I think if you're Toronto, like, that's a move. Those are the type of moves you have to make when you get a guy like Tavares taking up, you know, an eighth of your cap. Yeah, I mean... I guess he'd probably be an upgrade on what the Leafs have right now on defense anyways. And LA doesn't need him. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, who, who are the LA defensemen? You got Doughty, Muzzin, Phaneuf is there now, mm-hmm. uh, Martinez. So they're, they're probably, they're pretty solid back there. They probably don't need him. Um, but I mean, I guess it depends. It all depends on what you can sign him for. Pretty yeah. much. That's it. It's, that's all it's going to come down to. If you can get him on a decent contract, like something, something below 4 million, Around there, thereabouts. Yeah, sure. Maybe you can do that, possibly, and it depends what it costs as well. I got a couple under the radar ones. So, Antti Ranta resigned with the Phoenix Coyotes, four point two five mil per year. Yeah. Um, I love this deal. I absolutely love this deal. Granted, he only played forty seven games, with a lot of injury issues, but you're telling me I can get an over nine twenty save percentage and a two point two four goals against in in Phoenix. From a guy, and I'm paying him the 22nd highest, or 22nd, like, most per, for a goalie? Yeah. That's insane. I get it. It's just a question of, is is he a good enough to be a starting goalie? Can he carry that load? For 4.25, I though, guess it's, it's a good it gamble, right? It does, like... It's a good gamble. And it, again, it just goes back to my point. Like, Phoenix gets it. Don't overpay for a goalie. Don't be Montreal. I think that's the one thing, like, that bugs me so much about certain teams that just overpay for goalies like you can find a guy like Ronta for and then pay him 4.25 mil per year and he's good yeah he's serviceable enough right like he that's I think that's that's the that's what we've learned uh in out of these teams that have made these play these teams that made deep playoff runs with goalies don't aren't you or at least until that time weren't seen as you know starting you know star goalies mm-hmm. so how many teams have won the cup with the goal with guys like that like even Holpe like until recently Martin yeah, these, Jones. These they guys, win the cup. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they, they they win the cup. That's their breakout season. But before that point, they're not seen as one of those like top top elite goalies, yeah. right? Whereas you know, if you want to pay ten million for Carey Price or pay whatever eight million, whatever it is for Lundqvist, 
that's a different way of making your team, but you're sinking a lot into this one player. Yeah. And then if they ever get injured, what do you do, right? Well, and the other thing, the other thing too is so many teams end up developing two guys, and then one of them has to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen it. LA had Quick and Jones, Anaheim, Anaheim had Gibson and Anderson, which I had both on my fantasy team. Trust me, that was that was a minefield to navigate through. Um, you're gonna see two of Columbus. They have Corpusalo and Bobrovsky. Teams have guys. Washington and did it twice. William Grubauer and one went Neuwirth before that. Yeah. Guys and Var- Varlamov. Yeah. Even before yeah. that, like you're gonna have this happen, and I think when you see a team like Arizona, who or Phoenix, I'm still calling Phoenix, but if you see a team like Phoenix, that even though they may not be good, frankly, I again, you can make up players on their team, and I might agree with you that they're on the team. The fact that they're doing the process right, something like this, is really like is really warming to me. Mm-hmm. In the sense where at least I see that they're on the right track. Yeah. Another one I thought was interesting. Um, so um, Anthony Duclair to Columbus, one year, six hundred and fifty k. Still only twenty two. Yeah, I think that's a that's sort of a, a trial kind of contract, and it's sort of like let's see what you can do. That sort of situation before they try to you know he he was probably looking for a bigger deal, yeah. and he wasn't getting what he thought he was worth. That's the situation. I think that's what happened. I love moves like this because it's it's flexible. You're only tying up your cap for one year. You're not even paying him much. If he doesn't work out and he's a dick, you can just cut him. Yep. Rookie year scored 20 goals. Yeah. Um, still only 22 again. And if you look at Columbus's center depth, I mean, I don't think he's going to play on the first line. But on the second line, he has Wenberg. And on some of the later lines, he has guys like Dubinsky. Mm-hmm. Who, I mean, even if you play him with those guys, I think... A change of environment might be really good, and just the fact that he's playing on a winning team. Yeah, we might see something better from. I just think it's the perfect. If you're a team like Columbus, that's the chance you take, right? Yeah. Um, Another one too, along that same vein. Ironically, both these guys played for Phoenix. Uh, Tobias Reeder, one year deal, two mil with the Oilers. Yeah. Shooting percentage was super low. I think it was in the eight percent range. As, um, so you would expect a bounce back season from him then, right? Well, he's been that way close to most of his career, but it's not only that. It's I think it's just something about being in a different environment. Either playing with one of McDavid or Dreisaitl is huge. Yeah, I don't think he's ever played with. Obviously, never played with someone that level of with that level of skill at center. Yeah. Um, and again, he's only twenty five, and it's one year. And I think if you're a team that's strapped like the Oilers are for cap space, I think this is the type of move you make. I would like to see the Oilers take a chance on Duclair, but if not, like, a guy like Reader, like, those are the diamonds in the rough I think you got to mine through and find and take a chance on. Can we talk a little bit about uh, the career of Cam Ward? What the heck happened to that guy? <laughs> He's now signed a one-year deal with uh, Chicago to be their backup, I presume, for $3 million. So rest man. in peace, Cam Ward's status as an elite goalie. And what happened to that guy, man? He he was once seen as that elite level, that top 10 Possibly even top five goalie in the league. He was the warden. Now he's just getting prison raped. <laughs> he's just getting prison. Like, I remember, yeah, I remember when he used to be. He was going to be the next big thing. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he make Team Canada? He won a Conn Smythe. It was ridiculous. Like, yeah. he was, like, one of the best goalies in the league. Yeah, I, I don't know. I saw that name, too, and I was just like, wow, what happened? Yeah. Especially when you consider that Carolina was willing to take Peter Mrazek over. It tells you a lot. I guess, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's another interesting one, too. I thought Mrazek for a one-year deal. I mean, I, I, I think that's... 
I mean, why not? I, well, I guess it's because they don't really, they're not really confident with their goalie situation. Well, right? Darling, I mean, Darling didn't really show you. Yeah, much exactly. Also. So it's it's, it's but, Darling and Mrazek, and Mrazek, uh, I guess, believes he could be a starter. So Mrazek believes a lot of things. Yeah. But. <laughs> so he believes he could be a starter. So I mean, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. I, you could easily see him taking the job from Darling. I just thought that was a move again, where I love these low risk. It's he's he's touted. Yeah, he was supposed to be like maybe he was going to be the next big yeah. thing for for the Red Wings. Things happen along the way. I mean, maybe in Carolina, a full year, a full year, maybe he rediscovers himself. If not, you just move on. But you could easily see him taking the job there from Darwin, for sure. Right? So it could happen. I like again. I just reiterating the theme. I love teams that will. I if I was a team, especially a team that didn't have a lot of cap room, I would definitely be taking a chance trying to get these all these younger guys because. Just it's like the draft. You throw you throw darts. One of these guys might pan out, and you have something, right? Yeah. Um, any other ones that uh, tickled your fancy, if you want? To? Um, how about some some bad ones? I mean, <laughs> let's let's talk about. Can I can I say that I think that if we're gonna talk about bad ones, a hot take here maybe. I don't think the JVR contract was good for a guy that never stays healthy. It's seven million, five years. So thirty five million. Don't get me wrong. I love that Flyers roster. Yeah. Like I think the young defensemen like Provorov. You know the goaltending is an issue, but you have Provorov, you have Sanheim, you have guy like you have Pat like Patrick, all the young guys on the team. Plus you have the established guys like Giroux, Couturier, and if I'm assuming if JVR is playing, he's gonna play with Patrick. Just well, probably, I'm guessing. Probably right. Like, I mean, I love the fit. It's I probably just, gonna be Patrick, um, JVR, and maybe Voracek. I guess. I love the fit. I just don't love paying seven mil for a guy that like could never really play a whole season without getting injured. I mean, yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. The Leafs fans were always saying we we all knew that he was going to leave at the end of the year. We all knew we could not pay him whatever he was going to command as a free agent. We knew he was going to get paid. But we were okay with. But sorry, I'm not a Leafs fan. But like we, as in like you, like most Leaf fans, like we're generally okay with it because when he played, he was great. But he didn't play a lot. It's true, um, and he's sort of a you know a, sort of a power play specialist. You know, he, he has and that one play where he, you know he's got those sweet hands in close, and that's what he does. And he and he, and that's you know, if if you're a kind of player that goes to the front of the net and gets banged up a lot, yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. You're I, miss I just don't want to pay seven mil for a year for a guy who's getting older, and I have to, and he has issues staying healthy because those health issues don't get better with age. Last time I checked, yeah. So yeah, he, he'll be thirty five at the end of that contract. Which so. again, just not not a fan of. Um, any other ones? Um, oh, what else is, is there? I mean, there's uh, the other Leafs that left. Bozak got five million from St. Louis for some reason. I don't know why. I'm I'm not super down on that one. Just in a sense where I mean, four like Kadri's four point. I mean, Kadri, but like Bozak does all those like face off wins. He does all those little <laughs> he's, things. He's, he's honestly, in my opinion, he's a face off specialist, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I don't really see the value in Teller, but I guess he penny kill a bit. I don't know. I, I just don't. I'm kind of, to be honest with you. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of glad to see the back of him as a Leafs fan. I, I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> but <laughs> wow. it's just he just. I mean, he he just always seemed like sort of a nothing kind of guy. He never really added much of anything to 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 the players around him. Like he he took face offs. That was it. That was pretty much all he offered. And I can't believe that he got five billion for that. But whatever. Good for him, I suppose. <laughs> You're really. Really not. Leo Komarov, the other guy in Leafs that left, he got three million from uh, from the Islanders for four years. So he's going to be another guy who's like thirty five or thirty six at the end of that contract. So 
Go for Uncle Leo. Get himself paid. <laughs> is that what his nickname is? Uncle Leo? Yeah, he's Uncle Leo. Okay, here's one I'm not a fan of, and it's such a Canadian team thing to do that, like, I'm not even surprised. James Neal, James five Neal. years, 28.75 million. For what? He was probably the the least uh, impactful player on that Vegas roster. Like, you, you think about, you know, what Vegas needed and what Vegas, what happened for Vegas to get to that final. I'd say Neil was like the piece that you could remove from that without causing much of an injury. Okay, so he scored 25 goals, 19 assists, 44 points in 71 games, which isn't that great of an it's average. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. So you're paying him 5.75? But is it, yeah, is it, is it... Five years and 31 years old. Is it a six million, almost six million a year till you're 35, to, till you're 35 years old good? I don't think so. Like, I don't get it. I don't what, what, what do you think the situation is going to be with Calgary this year? Where do you think they're going to end up? Are they are they a playoff Calgary's team? always, and we're going to talk about this on our state of the franchise, like, they're the most volatile team. I could see them breaking into the playoffs and making some noise. I could also see them finishing at the bottom of the West. It's one or the other. Um, interesting quote about the James Neal one, which I find absolutely, I love when guys say this, absolutely hilarious. James Neal, for me, I want to win, Neal said. I've been close to the Stanley Cup. I've been really close the last few years to winning a Stanley Cup. We... Once you get a taste, you want more. I feel like we're really close to winning, and I can be the little piece they've been missing. When did he say this? <laughs> After signing the deal. When he went to Calgary? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Let me just... Because he said we have great goaltending in Mike Smith. So, let me just point this out. James Neal thinks he's the final piece to winning a cup of a team that didn't make the playoffs. I guess that's all they needed. The, all, all they needed was James Neal and his 20-something goals. That's all they needed. <laughs> Apparently, the 25 goals makes all the difference. <laughs> Okay, but they're not, they're not a bad team. So their top line will be Johnny Hockey, uh, who's Monahan. the top center, Moynihan, and probably Neil. And then you've got uh, right, Matthew but... Backlund, Froelich. And it's not it's not a bad top six. <laughs> if, if, but yeah, but James Neal's the final piece to them uh, getting over the top there. I guess so, I don't know. <laughs> I love when guys do that. Just say you went for the money, man. I hate when... I, I love it when... Love-hate relationship when guys go... Because I love it because it's so fake. But I hate it because it's like just... It's okay to say I want to get paid one last time, man. Yeah. We get it. You have a limited shelf life of when you can make money in hockey. Yeah. It's all good. Um, but I just thought that deal was outrageous for a guy that's 31 and who, yeah, he scored 25 goals last year for sure, but the he's very one-dimensional in what he can I, I, Like do. I said, I think he's the, he was the least impactful player on that on that roster in terms of what, what they needed to happen to get to that final. I think you pull Neil out of that roster, and I don't think it makes that much of a difference for them. And if he's, and I mean, let's be fair, there's a reason Pittsburgh and Nashville both, like Pittsburgh traded him and Nashville got rid of Like, there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's re, like, yes, he's a scorer, but he's, he's very one-dimensional. Exactly, he's a, he's a goal scorer. And he's a goal, ten, he's a goal scorer that requires service around him. He's not a goal scorer that creates on his own. On his own, own. yeah, he's not. So well, This is what I meant about goal-scoring wingers. I think goal-scoring wingers are pretty plentiful, right? I think mm-hmm. there's goals, the kind of wingers that need service and will score goals for you, but that's just what they do. I think there's all those kinds of guys are all over the place. And I don't think, and and like you said, it goes back to because I think they're so plentiful. I don't think you have to pay a 31 year old to 5.75 for five years to do it. I just I just don't really understand what what Calgary is doing. Are they trying to say their their rebuild is done and they're you know they're they're going for it, trying to get into the playoffs and make some noise with this group of players? So I think with Canadian teams, I just I like outside of the. It's weird to say outside of the Leafs right now. I don't understand what any of them are doing. Yeah. Um, I personally 
don't really have any other ones off the top of my head. I thought those... It's weird that the big contracts were the ones I had issue with. I'm going to seem like a douche for that, but mm-hmm. I didn't really have any other... Yeah, so 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 you, so you... Other than Tavares, did you like the Tavares contract? I think for what... Like, I mean, so knowing that you have to pay a f- premium and free agency, I'm fine with it. I think it's better you... Like, for me, I always believe that development is for the core guys, but when you... I believe you should only really go to F.A., to pay for elite talents or bargain bin talents. I don't believe you should be trying to find a guy like that's a second line center and trying to make him a first line center or like a second line player trying to make him a first line player. I think because you're going to overpay, I'd rather just overpay for an elite guy. So yeah. So, so in that case, you're okay with it. But I'm then, fine with it. And then JVR was the second highest contract, which you didn't like. Niels was third. You didn't like that. Stasny, you didn't like either. So <laughs> there's a theme here. There's a theme. <laughs> so, and then and then the fifth highest was uh, Kovalchuk, which one, which is kind of just who knows what the heck's going to happen with there with that one, right? So I, I think I think part of it too is what like it's relative to the teams that signed him, right? You have Vegas who has a lot of UFAs coming up. You have. Calgary, who who knows what they're doing? I was fine with the Kings one, just from a standpoint of like, otherwise, where's your growth really come? Like, you might as well just ride it out with the guys you have now. Mm-hmm. That's that's the only way I really look at it. Um, any ones for you before any ones before for you before we move on or? No, I think that's. I'm just looking at some of the other ones. You got Jack Johnson joining. Uh, oh, I was Pittsburgh. not a fan of the Jack. Actually, that's another one. I'm not a fan of Jack Johnson. That was uh, five years, sixteen point two five, so three point two five. Can, can anyone Captain. ever explain to me when Jack Johnson's been good? He 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 was supposed to be the next big American defenseman, right? He was supposed to be the well, the next big thing. He was he was the guy, but it never really happened to him. He's I don't want to say now. Jack Johnson's been paid a lot for doing like for very little, but. Relative to stature, I mean, relative to what he's been paid, he hasn't been that good. I mean, I don't think three point two five is is outrageous for Jack Johnson. I think it's probably. Fine. I just I just feel like if you're Pittsburgh, like, what does having Jack Johnson on your team really solve defensively? It doesn't. It doesn't do anything. Um, like other than putting a name back there, really. I guess. I mean, well, but I mean, but they already have Latang. They bought uh, Ali Mata. <laughs> Uh, Justin Schultz, uh, and so I guess Jack Johnson. I don't even know if he'll be playing in the top four. Maybe he will. Dumoulin. So do you want to pay three point seven five for a guy that's not going to play in the top for, four? For third, for third pairing guy, eh, I don't know. All right, all right. Um, so I guess we'll move on to. So after all this stuff that's happened so far, barring any ridiculous, like I saw this one rumor where it was like Edmonton might try to make a run at Pacioretty and Carlson for some outside of anything crazy like that. Um, wow. Any any teams you think outside I want to see that happen. That outside of the Leafs, outside of the Leafs, yeah. Any other teams you think that look like interest you or are intriguing in terms of how they're heading in to next year? So I have the Blues because I just love the like Bozak is your third center, Shen is your second center, and O'Reilly is your first center with the wing talent they have is really interesting to me. And to me, it just that team comes down to can Jake Allen play like in Jack Allen play at an elite level or close to an elite level. Jake the Snake. Yeah. <laughs> and well I mean Chad Johnson's I think is a pretty good backup goalie. Yeah, but if you're relying on Chad Johnson and that you're you're struggling. Um I d I don't know about their defense to be honest with you. I mean they got Pietrangelo. Uh I like Pareko. Uh yeah Pareko Edmondson, Vince Dunn, Jordan Schmaltz. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I convinced by that defense, but, but I mean, but I guess the thing with the, offense, yeah, off, but even still, the way the way that St. Louis plays, they play quite defensively sound, anyways. I mean, a third line of actually Patrick Maroon, Tyler Bozak, 
and uh, probably David Perron because you can have uh, Steen and Tarasenko as yeah. well, right? So you'd probably end up with Perron on the That's a good line. team. That's a pretty good throw yeah. line. I mean, I guess Bozak at 5 million is probably overpaid in my opinion, but he's still a serviceable player. So I think it's a, it's a good so it's a good forward contingent at least. In, in terms of moves, that's the one that really... Like, Carolina, I was going to put Carolina in, but then I was like, their offense just doesn't intrigue me enough to where it's really interesting. Um, so that would be that would, that would be my main one. I don't know. I think Carolina, it could be it could could go either way. It really just depends on that goaltending, in my in my opinion, because they've got young guys up there. You got Sebastian Ajo, Toy Butcherovinen, Skinner is still there. That's that's it though. Um, You're not like I mean, you still got your third, your your usual third line guy. They got Jordan Stahl still there, Justin Williams, Michael Forland. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a decent team. You never know what they could do there, but, but again. But you could easily see them being in the basement, especially if their goaltending doesn't pan out. Mm-hmm. With Darling and I think Darling and Brazic is the biggest question mark for them. And the two teams um, that didn't really do anything that I'm totally down on Montreal, because right now they have Price, Weber, and Alsner taking up 32 percent of their cap. Yeah, Patrick a UFA next year, and if they don't sign, I'm look. I'm I think Patrick a little bit overrated, but if they don't sign him. There's no offense on that roster, really. You got Jonathan Drouin as your top line center. Then you've got uh, like because Plakanich usually plays like down. Plakanich doesn't line. score. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He plays in the third line pretty much. Uh, I, I, maybe Max Domi pans out for them. I don't know. But if you don't sign Patrick, what do you do? And if you're saying Patrick is going to command term, and you've already committed to Price and Weber to like what the 2022? Yeah, like. I I just I don't know what this team does. I don't know. They're gonna struggle to score. I mean, but here's the thing though. The biggest thing is can Carey Price get back to being Carey Price? Forget struggle to score. They should all move the puck out of the zone. For some reason, the NHL's moved towards more mobile puck moving defensemen. Montreal. I I love Montreal because they're that you know that guy that you know that does everything the opposite way of how it should be done, mm-hmm. and it never works out for me. He always wonders, oh, why didn't it work out? That's Montreal. They paid 10 mil to a goalie when every other team, the next closest goalie is getting 2 mil less. Yeah. They're, they had Sergachev, Subban, and Andre Markov, all puck-moving defensemen on the roster at the same time. Now they don't really have any. Yep. And, they're again, they've tied up 32% of their cap in. Alsner, Weber, Price. Do we know what the latest news is on Weber, by the way? I have no idea. Is Because I heard, I, last thing I heard is that he just went underwent <laughs> surgery again or something. He's going to be out for another six months or something that's like that. That's a guy you have for another four years. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's rough for them. Like, I, I just don't know what this team does. Like, you really have to bank on them developing guys. And here's the truth. They haven't really developed guys that well in the past, like, X amount of years. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't really know who they have coming out of their, their line, their pipeline. But at, their defense right now is uh, without Weber. Keep that in mind. You've got Jeff Petrie, Carl Arzner, Jordy Ben, uh, Dave Shmelenko. Oh, Jordy Ben. Uh, so it's it's it doesn't seem like it's a leaky defense. But yeah, there's not much offense coming out of there. And then you've got. I, I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have to rely hard on that top line of. I feel, like when, I feel like when Jordy Gallagher. Ben's in your top four or even in your top six, you're in trouble. Because I always thought, well, like as a Stars fan, I always thought Jordy Ben was like the nepotism rule in full effect. Like they just yeah, kept him Jamie there and kept, kept Jamie Ben happy. And then when he left, when when he left to Montreal, I'm like, oh, 
wait, then why did we keep him on the roster? Like, you know what I mean? So, they're, to me, they're in trouble. And if Price doesn't stay healthy this year again, it's even worse. I mean, I'm going to be very interested to see what what Carey Price we see that comes back. Because when, even when Carey Price came back and was supposedly healthy, he was not the Carey Price that you usually used to see. Right. So, I don't know. Something's going on with that guy. I don't know what it is. Hopefully, he can straighten himself out. But it'll be really interesting. And if if the, if he doesn't come back as the Carey Price, as the, when I say the Carey Price, the best goalie in the league, because that's what he's being paid to be, then they're in a lot of trouble. The other team I'm down on, and we talked about this. Maybe if they make the rush for Carlson and Pacioretty, maybe I'll, I'll def well no, I'll definitely be up on them. But Edmonton, I think when you have McDavid and you have Drysaddle, like you should do more than. Milan Lucic, who's there till 2022-23. Yeah. If there's, again, like, I, I hate when, I hate Canadian teams for this reason. Like, outside of the Leafs, teams just always take the most backwards approach to building. Well, I mean, How, that's the thing with, with the Oilers. Oilers have just been that way. Right? Here's the thing. Though. How we've learned power forwards that are physical don't, look at Ryan Callahan on Tampa. They don't age well. And what do you do? You sign Lucic till 2022-23. And I think he has a claw, like, a no, a, like something mitigating his movement. Mm-hmm. Um, Sekera and Russell are there till 2020, 2021. I mean, that's their that's their bottom pairing, I think, though, right? They're making between the two of them, they're making ten mil. Yeah, around. So I think that's their bottom pairing. I think and you've got Darnell Nurse, Adam Larson, Clefbaum, and probably Benning. I think that's their top four. So right now you have sixteen mil tied up in Lucic, Sekera, and Russell. Is Cam Talbot a starting goalie? I, I, he's gonna have to be because he's a UFA this after this year coming year. So, here's the thing: if you're gonna pay him even five mil a year, you're gonna have fifty percent of your cap tied up in McDavid, Drysital, Lucic, Talbot, and like, and Clefbaum. The fifty percent of your cap tied up in five guys. There, there's a team I could see. Trying to make a play for for Flurry, they've got a bunch of still they still got a bunch of young forwards. I mean, you've got Nugent, Hopkins, possible trade bait, Pulyarvi, possible trade bait, Strom, possibly. They've got a lot of young guys. Strom, no one's high on Strom anymore, man. That was like that was a twenty fourteen thing. There's that so many, 20, there's like, so many players that Edmonton has ruined. It just makes me really sad when a team when a, when when Edmonton drafted like a, a really good player, it's like oh well, that's another waste. <laughs> So similar like Tavares in the Allianz situation. Well, what's, well, crazy, waste of what's crazy is they have McDavid fifty percent of their cap on five guys. Which don't go wrong, McDavid and Drysdale fine, but like Lucic, if they pay if they pay Talbot or any goalie, they're gonna have to pay in the five mil range and Clefbaum. Like, I mean, what are you doing there? And then again, you have Sekera and Russell who don't come off the books for two, at least two more seasons. I mean, at both make combined making ten mil like. There's just not a lot of wiggle room to this team. Yeah, they've got to have to. They're gonna have to clear some, some, at least one of those guys out, especially on defense. And I just looked at their cap I looked at Montreal's history. I'm like, what? Like, what are these teams doing? Why? Why? And it's again this whole they go against the grain, and when it doesn't work out, we just kind of look and laugh. But we're also kind of sad inside because like I'm just sad for the wasted talent. I mean, exactly. You're, you're, you're wasted Ryan Nugent Hopkins. You're wasting Connor McDavid. You know, Drysaddle. Drysaddle. Even Pulleyarvi is a pretty good. To pretty an extent. Good. These are good young players that you've wasted. I mean, thank God Everly got out of there. But so I mean, those are the two teams I'm 100 percent down on. Um, I mean, honorable men. Well, Ottawa, 
Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I, think, I don't think you can even you but be down. We'll, 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 we'll save Ottawa Let's, for State yeah, of the I think, I think, I like, think we kicked them enough last week. We'll save them until until we get uh, Chris in here. I feel like I feel like at this point, like Ottawa's like picking on Ottawa's like picking on the short kid in basketball. Like, and I'm not talking short. I'm talking the midget short kid in basketball at this point. Like, we just we gotta stop. Um, speaking of Ottawa, I guess the uh, next thing we're gonna talk about Eric Carlson trade rumors. And it's funny that they traded Hoffman, but yet the Carlson rumors are still a swirling. Yep. Um, as far as I've noticed, there's been he's been rumored to Tampa, Dallas, and an outside shot with Columbus and the Islanders. Uh, were there any other? T- and oh, and Vegas. Uh, apparently, uh, Iserman came out and said no for for Carlson. I don't I don't know whether he's just trying to like keep things quiet or not, but apparently a couple days ago he came out and said that that wasn't ac- accurate. Oh, man. Yeah. Huh. So, okay, I'm kind of low-key hoping for Carlson in Tampa because Hoffman's in Florida, and I don't know how many beaches are in between Tampa and Florida, or Sunrise, <laughs> where the Panthers play, but I'm kind of hoping there's, like, only one, and, like, Eric Hoff, sorry, Mike Hoffman's wife and Eric Carlson's wife are just having the same beach and there happens to be this fight, and I hope it turns out to, like, this weird thing where, like, you know, it's like Peter Griffin and the chicken from Family Guy, where just every time they see each other, they start scrapping. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, what I'm, I, so I'm kind of hoping he goes to Tampa, because I think it'd be hilarious. I, that, just, I just honestly don't, I don't really see, I mean, they're probably going to have to move one of their defensive, uh, defensemen to even just make room for him, because I don't see a real need for him, for Tampa to get another star defenseman to put all that money into him. It, it just seems a little bit overkill for them, but. I'd be, I'd be kind of for it for like a Curry Carrick, uh. Rage in the Cage, Fight Forever, NXT stuff. I think um, NXT's right there, too, so that could work. Um, so what I learned that was interesting about a lot of these trades is teams aren't willing to part with their best pro- defensive prospects. So from what I've read, and Grant is all alleged, Dallas didn't want to part with Heskinen, who's their best defensive prospect. They were yeah. offering Honka instead. Otto asked for Sergachev, and Tampa basically told them no. Mm-hmm. Vegas, um, Otto asked for Cody uh, Glass. They said no. And with the Isles, I, for, um, I forget what they were asking for, but the Isles also said no as well. So what I think was interesting to me from all these deals was a lot of these teams just didn't want to part with their best prospects for arguably the best defenseman in hockey, which I was wondering, does that tell you more about the fact that he's going to be an FA in a year, or does it tell you about the position Ottawa's in, or does that tell you more about how just the idea of I'd rather take my prospect on ELC than get one year of team control but then pay Carlson 11 mil a year, which you're going to have to after this year. Um, yeah, I, I, but I also think it's that the problem is that everybody knows the situation in Ottawa, right? So, yeah. so they're already in a bad bargaining position to begin with, and... Um, so, so, so I think that's probably also a big deal, a big part of it. And the, the fact is, he's, it's not a small contract, right? Like, what is it, $11 million pretty much? If you're going to pay him, you have to pay more than Dowdy. So, yeah, close around. Probably $11 million. So, yeah. it's, it's, so you got to be able to take on that, that, that massive contract. And, yeah, he is the best defenseman in the league for sure. But, I mean, there's not many teams that can actually maneuver and make that, uh, make that move. So. But what I found interesting was no one was willing to part with their best prospect like did you didn't you find that or is that just like you think we've become so cap heavy that that the idea of parting on a potential 
no matter what that prospect is, be just keeping a guy on ELC is just more like more value. It depends, yeah, because because that's where you get your value around with these with the Giants. You're seeing with Toronto, right? You're seeing them taking advantage of this window where that they have all these guys on, on you know entry level contracts or signed to good deals and trying to add other pieces around them. So you don't you don't get a guy like Carlson unless you're going for the cup. You you think you can you can part with a lot of things in your in your in your kitchen cupboard, so to speak. And there's a lot of teams that are not willing to do that at this point because they know that Ottawa's in a desperate situation. Um, unless, unless, and here's the thing, if Eric Carlson comes out and says, I'm okay with staying in Ottawa and I believe in Ottawa and I think we're going to turn this around, whatever. And <laughs> yeah, whatever good, reason, good luck with that. <laughs> and take some pressure off of them, then maybe you might see come with a situation where they say, you know what, maybe we don't need to trade him. And then if you guys want, you want him, you have to offer us something. But in this situation, Eric Carlson's being shocked. It's not a situation where teams are coming and saying, hey, Ottawa, we want Eric Carlson. He's being shocked. They're saying, all right, this guy wants out. We're blowing the thing up. What can you give us? And in yeah. that situation, he's going to say, well, well, here's something. Here's a little bit of this. What do you guys so think So do that? you think closer to the deadline? Maybe. I could, I, could see the, I could see him being definitely starting the season in Ottawa. And he could, he could move maybe, maybe towards December or something like that, or maybe towards the, the trade deadline. I could see that happening. Because what I so what I thought was interesting was what would I'm trying to think what would a team give up like because they're obviously they're close to the deadline you're probably gonna get less right oh yeah for sure so for sure I mean if you're Ottawa do you just do you take you have to take what you can right now that in my opinion you have to take what you can unless you can sit Carlson down and I don't know do something and make him feel like he's gonna be uh, you know rewarded and this is gonna turn around. Because I've seen some of the non-major prospect deals. So I, the rumor Tampa one, which apparently isn't happening, um, it was Radish. Well, without Sergeyev, was Reddish or Radish? Tyler Johnson and uh, two picks. And Dallas's rumored one was Honka. So Julius Honka, mm-hmm. uh, Devin Shore, and picks. And then for the Lightning, I think it's something involving Theodore Tuck, Cody Sorry, Glass. You mean the uh, the, uh, the King, the, the Knights, Golden Knights. It was Theodore Tuck. Uh, Cody Glass, uh, Nick Suzuki, and I guess some picks. But they're as well. not willing to part with Glass. So say you take him out. Like, do you just accept one of those packages, or do you just wait? What do you do? I mean, the, oh, clearly the, the return isn't what they believe Carlson's worth, and I think that's right. But he, they, they have to be able to. Here's the situation: their owner doesn't want to pay. He's not going to resign Carlson. So the the, the difficult man. Is I'm, I'm surprised the owner pays for anything. That's like, the thing. The owner doesn't want to pay. Cheap as fuck. Yeah. So what? Do you, so if you're, if you know, do you know what? You know what? Ottawa fans call Eugene Melnick screw Gene. Like, like Mr. so. What Scrooge. do you do if you got Dor- if you're Dorian and you're just like, okay, I've got this piece. And let's see. Okay, we're in the rebuilding phase. You're Ottawa. Assuming you're trying to, you know, still trying to be a competitive hockey team. You either are going to try to bring players together around Carlson, or you're going to use Carlson to trade bait to try to fuel a rebuild. One of the two. Right now, what's happening is the the return that he's getting for Carlson isn't enough to fuel a rebuild. So what do you do? Isn't it though? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think I don't think so. the, 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 what the, what you're getting in return is not enough that you can build a team around. So I guess my my last question on the Carlson topic until something happens is when's your axis of when, like. Because obviously, I don't think you're okay just letting him walk potentially. But when's your axis of okay? We need to, regardless of what we're getting, we need to do something. Because there has to be like, there's a fine line between both, right? Well, the other thing is, 
Okay, if if that's all the return you're getting for Carlson, you have to ship out the Bobby Ryan contract with it. Because mm. the Bobby Ryan contract is a giant albatross around them. So if they can get rid of that with Carlson, and maybe that justifies the less the lesser return, then I'd say you probably do it, and you do it sooner rather than later. Because you want to get rid of like the toxic toxic atmosphere that's around Ottawa right now. I think the fans have kind of had enough. They just they just want to see the end to this whole saga. So if they can just get rid of him and get something good in return and try to rebuild based off of that, I think that's the best thing for them to do. So obviously you don't want to let the wound fester and just leave him there at the beginning of the season. I think the worst situation is he walks for nothing. Then then that's that's absurd. So you got you got to do something, and obviously the return as you get closer to the deadline is probably going to be worse. And, and if this is all that there is out there for them, they kind of have to do it. That's fair. And so I guess my last I guess the last point on the Carlson thing would be, I mean, if you're Ottawa, like it sucks because that's the one like that's the closest thing you've had to an elite, arguably one of the best players in the league since what Alfredson and his. Maybe Spets, Alfredson, or Heatley in their primes. Yeah, and he's gone, and like probably for minimal return. Like, damn. <laughs> I mean, hey, they had their chance, I guess, but when no one thought they were going to have a chance, they made it, and uh, and then it just fell off a cliff. So yeah, it's. I mean, I, personally, I think that the league probably has to do something about Melnick. Like, just get, just you need to get a, the, the, for sure. There's a better ownership group that can come forward and make a proposal. Yeah. To, in, in Ottawa, of all cities, in these Canadian cities, you've got to have a bigger, you know, like there's, there's got to be someone else who's going to take over and actually fund a proper team. Right, I'll help out, Ottawa. Um, I think you should start an Ottawa Strong movement. I will, if you make a shirt, I will buy it. We'll donate to the to the Kickstarter. <laughs> all right, uh, two last thoughts before we um, head out here today. So, the Ducks um, announced they'll retire Paul Korea number 9 jersey on October 21st, and Scott Niedermeyer's number 27 on February 17th. Paul Korea is one of the reasons I got into hockey, so I'm super excited. How about Paul Korea and Timo Solani? Best buds. Right. So, um, super happy for Paul Korea, and Scott Niedermeyer was an instrumental part of that cup run, and I just always love seeing the jersey retirement, especially when there's some, like, random players or, like, some players that bring up nostalgia, and Korea definitely did from... The way he played with Solani to being in the Ducks movies, like, I mean, or the Duck movie, sorry, uh, totally enjoyed his career. And the last one is, so we talked about the Carlson thing, and one thing I want to talk about is, sometimes when you trade someone, it's not the greatest thing. So, um, in 2001, the Penguins traded Jeremy Yarger, who at the time was a five-time NHL scoring champion to the Washington Capitals for three prospects. Take a guess who those three players were. I have no idea. Well, who were these three players? Chris Beach, Michael Sivek, and Ross Lopatschuk. Who? <laughs> right? I, I think and, I remember Chris Beach. I think that's it. Like I think it was like a fourth line center yeah. for five minutes. Yeah. So none of those prospects did anything. So just a heads up when you trade a superstar. I mean, for you're, prospects. you're taking shots in the dark, and you gotta hope for the best. And I mean, you're not very, you're not sounding very encouraging to these auto people right right now. I'm just pointing out that you know, just because you get prospects, look. Sometimes you know they always say, "Hey, ten dimes don't equal a dollar in sports." That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Or four quarters. All right, that's all we have for today, guys. Um, next week we'll be. 
given our takes on things we thought last season that we were totally wrong on. You know, Ray, we're being accountable. Look, you don't get it in a lot of places, man. You don't maybe you don't get it from your boss, you don't get it from government, but you get it from us. And on the second half, we'll start our State of the Franchise podcast. Where, or sorry, State of the Franchise series, where we're starting from the easternmost team and going west in Canada, where we're bringing in different fans. And they're going to talk about what they think of the team right now going into next season. We got a doozy next week. Uh, we got my buddy Chris, and he's going to come in and talk about the Montreal Canadiens. Well, talk or spit venom, one or the other. We'll see. <laughs> and Are the, uh, yeah, my question to him will be. Uh... What do you think about Carey Price? If, if he thinks Carey Price will be able to bounce back, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting topics for the Canadians. Um, and then the week after that, we'll have you and probably talk about the Leafs. So it'll be just me interviewing you. And well, then we'll just are we skipping over Ottawa? Is that, that much of a jump so far? <laughs> they're, they're now a flyover city. We're just we'll get to Ottawa. We'll get to Ottawa. <laughs> All right, that's us signing out, guys. Enjoy. <laughs> Bye.